It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody and welcome to the first ever edition of Craft Brood Sports Cincy Style. Uh, I am Mike, with me as always here is Scott. Scott, how you feeling tonight, man? Hello! That was weird, but cool. <laughs> uh, the man behind the feeling computer. Feeling good! <laughs> the man behind the computer making a sound and look good is JoJo. How you doing tonight, bud? What to do, baby? <laughs> Fantastic, Joe. This is Craft Brood Sports Cincy Style, uh, where the takes are just like the chili. You're probably only going to like them if you're from here. And even then, maybe not. Probably not. There's a <laughs> lot of people that don't like the chili, and that's fine. I'm cool with it. Uh, but who we do like is Minuteman Tickets, and we want to tell you guys, Craft Root Sports Cincy Style is brought to you by Minuteman Tickets. Look, everybody, football is back. There's only one spot you should be heading to to get your college football or NFL tickets, and that's Minuteman Tickets. We love Minuteman. They're Ohio guys, sports fans, just like the rest of us, and they're not going to screw you over like those other ticketing places. Not just football either. They got it all. Baseball, hockey, theater, rib cook-offs. It doesn't matter. Hit them up, MinutemanTickets.com, or give them a call, 614-943-3000, and avoid all of the fees. Tell them you heard about them right here on Craft Brood Sports, Cincy Style. Uh, Thank you, Joe. Uh, so let's tell the people. The first of many. Definitely. <laughs> uh, let's tell the people how we came to this idea for this show because uh, we've been doing Craft Brood Sports for about three years now. Uh, it's a show that we are very proud of. However, we don't really focus on Cincinnati sports. We focus more on the, the national stories, the stories that might slip under the radar. People don't necessarily pick up on. Uh, but Joe came up with this idea that he was like, look. We're all Cincy transplants. We should be talking some Cincinnati sports. Uh, and we've also kind of taken some different, different paths as well since uh, we came to Cincinnati. Joe stayed true to his roots, uh, held true to the teams that he cheered for growing up. Cleveland or die. Yeah, uh, that guy right there. Uh, Scott, you have also stayed say, true I to stay your true. teams. They uh, just don't happen to be from here. Right, but you also <laughs> working for WCPO. You covered the Bengals, the Reds, right. the Cincinnati sports. So you, you had that really in-touch feel. And I am the only glutton for punishment on, on this crew that I actively chose to be a Cincinnati fan. I grew up a Cleveland what a sports weirdo. fan. weirdo. That show, <laughs> Kevin Durant over here, everybody. <laughs> you may call me a snake. That's fine. That's fine. But I feel like a snake would go to a, uh, a franchise or a team that is going to dominate. I'm not going to be the one that's. Yeah, like, what's up, Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair point. Good Does point, that make Joe. me the flat earther? Yeah, I think so. Aww. I think you're the flat earther on, in that case. If I'm Durant, then you're Kyrie, right? That's definitely not how this goes. <laughs> Uh, well, so we we talked about it. And we were like, you know what? We need to do a show specifically about Cincinnati sports. There's enough in this city that we can cover strictly Cincinnati sports and make it a fun, entertaining show. And so we, we loosely know enough to give Bro, our takes that matter. You may loosely know enough. <laughs> I am. I am. That, You're all the way. I in. am that crazy fan that I will. I'm basically Dave Lapham. Uh, watching Bengals games. Yeah. That is, I, I mean, and I know. drinking. Well, yeah, is, I, mean, I know enough. Saying, I'm a Bengals fan. I know enough through osmosis. Like you can't live in a city 
and not know how the sports teams are doing unless you actively you know are trying to especially if, right. you're, if you're a sports fan i mean it just it's not possible i know that there's people that live in this city who don't follow sports at all that wouldn't be able to tell you anything lived, i was gonna say i've lived here their whole lives but me being such a huge sports fan and not following any of them but it's just like hey you hear about it every day or every other day and you just know what's going on just because so and that's and that's good. Uh, so we've got a good mix here of a, a rational sports fan who can bring me back to earth throughout these seasons because yes. I come up with crazy. I get way into things and it goes a little off the rail. So I need somebody who can rein me in. And then I also have Joe here to just rain on my parade and talk about <laughs> Cleveland the whole time. And uh, Baker, Baker Baker the touchdown yeah, rainmaker. There yeah, there, that's uh, well done too with the touchdown rainmaker on the rain on my parade. So thank you, Joe, for that. Um, so let's just get right into it tonight. All right. It's episode one. We decided to start the show here at the beginning of September because the NFL is back, baby. Uh, football is back. College and... football is back as well. All of the football. Yes. But more importantly, it's a new day, D-E-Y, here in Cincinnati. Uh, that's and not how you spell day. It is. If you're a Cincinnati fan, that's how we spell day. It's, it's a very Cincinnati strange. I've never known how to spell, so that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to love us already, Scott. Thanks for that. Just uh, when I drive past the billboard, I'm like, it's not that clever. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you can send your hate mail to our Twitter, at Craft B Sports, or you can direct it directly right tweet to, it to Scott, me. at Scotty K underscore Junior. Uh, remember, I'm the one who, who understands us Bengals fans. So let's talk some Bengals uh, coming up here. Uh, season kicking off. We got the Seahawks in week one. Uh how are we feeling about this? How uh, Scott and you and we should preface this by saying you also help co-host uh, the Flying Pigskin for WCPO as well. Mm-hmm. You actually had a chance to talk to Zach Taylor for for your first episode of the season, right? Yeah, met Zach Taylor the other day for the first time. Very nice dude. I stalked him in a playground once. <laughs> I almost I almost asked him to do our show, but really, I got really nervous. He's really soft spoken. Like That's I don't take that as, NFL coach, right, right. I don't take NFL head coaches for being soft spoken, and maybe he was just you know, all right, I'm here and I'm just doing this interview, and I don't want to be you know, I don't want to take over anything. I'm new kid on the block, but he was very chill, very mellow, just down to earth, and I, I, I walked away thinking that he'll have success not because of anything necessarily on the field, but just. His personality is even keeled, so okay, he's not going to get but, too high or too low. <laughs> that's funny you say that because we just got rid of a coach who was the most even keeled coach of all time. Yeah. Never showed any emotion. I know, but the the problem with Marvin was I think that it was uh, a fake not showing emotion. He didn't want to show emotion in the media and do all that. Like he played the part of NFL head coach in that. All right, well, I'm just going to give static answers and the the cookie cutter answers. But I think in the locker room, he was actually more. I don't know, of man. Like you see a, him on the sideline. You watch Marvin on the sidelines, and it just seemed like he right. was just. And I said in present. the locker room, didn't I? All right, that's fine. But he, still, you've got to show off some, to a great start. You've got to show. Listening to what I'm, saying. I'm just saying, you've got to show some emotion <laughs> on the sidelines, too. Like you, well, I you, feel nobody like Zach, wants, nobody wants Jason Garrett just clapping. Right. Well, right? I feel like Zach is going to get to that point, but it's just. he Right now, he's he's taking the temperature of the room, and he's gauging everything, and he's he's learning, and. I mean, he he's got to know that he's young and people are looking at him. Dude, he's and younger say, than both of us. That is no, he's not. I thought he was younger than me until I found out just before we started recording that he turned thirty-five recently. And I okay, so he's younger than me. Great, yeah, thank you, say, thank you. I am not thirty-five yet. So speak for yourself. Older than me makes, <laughs> makes me feel great to know that I'm older than Zach Taylor, and I'm the only one in the room older than Zach Taylor. Uh, okay, so Zach Taylor comes in. Uh, he's got a lot to prove. Everybody has talked him up this offseason as being this offensive genius. Like you, you hear all these players from LA coming out talking about how amazing this dude is, and you have to wonder, like, what we've seen in the preseason. Is he really, or are the Bengals just in a spot that they're not ready to? perform at the level that he wants him to yeah i mean this was the thing that i took away from the meeting two things one he you know he's even keeled and i think that'll serve them well but two he was very cautious with all of his words and all of his answers and that i think he knows what they are and how far they have to go he said all the right things but 
you get the sense that he's he's well aware that they're talent deficient, you know, across the board. If you're talking about competing for a Super Bowl and playoffs and all that, he's not stupid enough to think that this team is going to make a lot of noise. I'm sure he has high expectations, and he'll tell Which you you one have thing. to right. You gotta have, but high I expectations. I also think he's smart enough to know that like, hey. This is going to be a process. This is year one of the program, and I'm going to get my guys in here. I'm going to implement things. Whatever we do well and however many games we win, gravy. Because they're, <laughs> you know, they're, just, they're just not – like on paper, they're just not a team that's whoop, positioned whoop well. Whoop-de-hay. Whoop-de-hay. Yeah. <laughs> I would love it if like in a, a post-game press conference, somebody was like, well, Zach, you, you guys came out. You guys got this W uh, to start off the season. What do you think of that? And he was just like, it's gravy, baby. And then that was it. <laughs> that was just this whole press conference. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, and that's not to say that they can't, you know, surprise even him. But, I, you know, I, I think all coaches and personnel people and everything, like, they know. And they're not – you know, they're not immune to to what everybody else knows. It's not as if, well, I'm a head coach and I have blinders on and all this other stuff. Like, they know talent. They know right. what they have. They know, you know, he knows he's a new head coach and everything. Like, he can have expectations up here. But, I mean, realistically, if he said, if you ask Zach Taylor, what's the absolute most wins that you could have if everything goes perfect, I think he'd tell you about eight or nine. So, so with that being said, is that a better expectation than you had last year with Marvin Lewis, or like, are you expecting a downtick? Are you expecting something better? Like, what are your expectations going into this year than last year? So, from the fan perspective, going into last year, it was just I I didn't think the team was going to be very good. I, I expected them to be. I knew the the Browns were this like team that everybody thought could make some crazy noise, uh, and and that. It was kind of scary. It's always scary to play the Browns. I feel like the Bengals always split the series with the Browns for some reason. You still had Pittsburgh in the the division, and Lamar Jackson was like this big question mark of like, this dude could be amazing in this division. Well, they still had Flacco too, right, last year? Yeah, but, but, he was on but the tail. everybody knew Lamar Jackson was going to take over at some point for, for Baltimore. So I always I kind of went into last season uh, expecting the Bengals to finish uh, at the bottom and a lot of that was because I didn't have faith in Marvin like I thought Marvin was supposed to be gone and then he comes back and it's like oh great here we go I mean I gotta be real honest about Marvin I think that they kind of overachieved the last two years definitely Marvin because it was you came into both years thinking that ah, this ain't it and you know they're they're gonna struggle a lot and then they'd somehow find these little pocket of runs where at the end of the year you look at their regu- their their record and you think that was a little bit better than I expected. Dude, it was it to be. yeah. It happened all the time but, where it was like they shouldn't have won that game. How did they get right. that W? But the, the problem, I just chalked that up to the NFL, not Martin. The NFL is that, just that weird league. That's true, but I mean the problem with that is you know, back to Joe's original question about like how do you feel then versus now is then it felt Okay, even though they overachieved, where's this all going? It doesn't seem like there's any plan. It's just kind of meandering along. Whereas if they were to overexceed expectations this year, you're thinking, all right, Zach Taylor's got them headed in the right direction, and there's hope. Well, With Marvin, yeah. it just felt like, okay, yeah, they overexceeded expectations, but they're just kind of spinning their wheels. I feel like with this season, everybody is going into this knowing that you have a first-year head coach. You have an offensive line that's just been absolutely decimated. You lost A.J. Green early in, in training camp, so you, you don't even have your number one weapon to start off the season. Uh, and you've got a defense best that's— best player, period. Right, <laughs> and, you don't, and you have a defense that's suspect at best. So I think everybody right. has extremely low expectations going into this season, but they're all willing to give the Bengals some slack on this one, where last year it was like, if you don't perform— Get Marvin the hell out of here. Right. And you it know was what I mean? Irregardless like, of anything that happened, it was just in, expecting results right. no matter what. In both situations, we're expecting a terrible team or a team to to underachieve. But uh, last year it was like, okay, then get him out. This year it's like, eh, give him some slack. Well, and I, I you know, I said this uh, on the other podcast. It's just 
This year you're looking for I don't need to. This year you're looking for wins in other places than necessarily actual standings. You're looking for you know competitive play. You're looking for guys to you know make strides or it's obvious that they got to go and for Zach Taylor to make wins in the off season for when he replaces these guys or whatever. So it's like yeah the the wins are nice, but you're just looking for a competitive football team which. Despite whatever they got over Mar- from Marvin the last few years, it might have been competitive, but competitive in a way where you knew overall it wasn't going to get you where you wanted to be. So then this comes to Andy Dalton. A lot of people say, get rid of Andy Dalton. A lot of people are like, well, Andy Dalton's pretty good. And it comes back to Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers will never let the Chargers, San Diego, be <laughs> terrible, right? He will never let the San Diego Chargers bottom out. Is that with Andy Dalton where it's like Andy Dalton's good enough to where he will win them games that he shouldn't, but he will never win them amazing games? Will he ever let the Bengals bottom out? No. Or is he too good to keep them above terrible? It's kind of amazing to hear this, the phrase, Andy Dalton is too good to do something because he is just such a, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback when you look at quarterbacks in the NFL. I respect Dalton for what he's done for the team. He's done a hell of a job with what he's been given, uh, but he's not that guy that elevates a team, right? He's he's very much, to your point, Joe, a Phillip Rivers where he's not going to lose you games. Eh, I take that back. He's going to lose you a, a few games along the way because he's going to make some decisions See, where it's like, Dalton, what are you doing, bro? I think you're – I think – and it's not just – here right now, I think this has been his whole career. I think Philip Rivers has gotten uh, underappreciated throughout his career. I co- I compare Andy Dalton more to like an Alex Smith. All right, what about Eli? Eli Manning. Uh, Eli Manning's won two oh. Super Bowls, so it's hard for me to compare to guy that <laughs> that's won a two point. Super Bowls. Cool. Yeah, but, yeah, but that catch wasn't his. That's I know that's fine though. I mean, but he's still done a lot still more. Got that rings. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're not talking about him being a Joe Flacco or a, a Trent Dilfer. Okay, okay. Okay. Brett Favre. Brett Favre's Brett's got like, rings. Brett Favre is in the Hall of Fame. Like, he's, he's I mean, I hate not- Brett Favre, but I, I got to give him his credit. <laughs> <laughs> I would put I would put Dalton more along the lines. Andy of Dalton's like, Alex Smith. That's I've said it his it, entire career. Alex he's Smith Alex is a good Smith. one. Kirk Cousins maybe. Yeah, he's a, good he's enough just a guy to win you there. games, but he's never going to be the reason you win the. But big I also game. feel like a lot of that is because Dalton has not been put in positions to to be able to get to that next level. Like you, you have a, a team where the defense has failed Dalton or his best weapons go down an injury. <laughs> Vontez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Vontez and Pac-Man for that. Cause that could have been, okay. I don't even want it to, that could have been the turning point right there. If you think about it, they win that game. Marvin Lewis is still this head coach, right? He's still coaching this team. They beat Pittsburgh. And it's you know the, the whole monkeys thing. off the back. Everybody's feeling great. Oh, that's the that is such a and that's such a Cincinnati fan. I know you give me the look. That's such a Cincinnati oh. fan to hang my hat on. Like if they had only beat Pittsburgh that one time, everything would have turned around, baby. No, no, no. I I do think though that the perception of the regime and the team and and Dalton you know, added into that would be different if they had just won one, just one, Dude, they only needed one beat Houston. One of the two times <sighs> beat Pittsburgh that time. And they had it in hand. Like all they had to do was it win was a over. single play. I honestly believe if they had one single, won a single playoff game of any of those, that Marvin would still be here. Absolutely. Like, that's, I mean, I, that's the, what I was saying. Marvin would be Marvin would be head coach for life if he had won a playoff game. There'd be a Marvin statue outside of Paul Brown Stadium right now if he had beaten Pittsburgh in that game. Hands down. I, I right. fully believe they wanted to build him a statue anyway. I was going to say, they wanted to erect a statue before he actually did that. So there's no doubt that if he had won that game, he'd be president of the city right now. All right, like, so no longer mayor. Talking <laughs> landscape of that NFC North. Where are the Bengals? I mean, two, three, four. You got okay. Bottom. Realistically, uh, there's absolutely. If I take my my Bengals hat off, I feel like they, yeah, they'd come in at the bottom. So they lose twice to Baltimore, or they split with Baltimore. I think they split with Baltimore. They can split with Baltimore, and that won't matter. Okay, here's (laughs) this. You're gonna love this, Joe, from me. But I, I think they lose to Cleveland twice. I think they. Eke one out against Pittsburgh, and then uh, maybe a split with Baltimore. Does, Bal- does Baltimore split with Pittsburgh? 
No, I think Pittsburgh beats Baltimore twice. I think that I think it, the division. So then Baltimore would be last in your scenario. No, because I think Baltimore beats Cleveland just to get you mad. <laughs> I'm going with that pick. I actually think that Baltimore. Uh, I think Baltimore's third in the division. I think Baltimore is probably second. I, actually I would. Think... I would like to put them at two, but Pittsburgh. I feel like is that team that always, well, you, no matter what, it's you, always like you, you God. Me, where do these you, dudes you cut come me from? Off. I think Baltimore second to Cleveland. Okay, meaning that the Steelers finish third. But that's division. what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying I feel like Baltimore comes in third because the Steelers are always that team that just shows up and they come in second. Oh, and unfortunately, yeah, well, Cleveland no, wins this the is, division. This is the year that it finally catches up with the Steelers. And I don't even think that the Steelers that's will be. That's what a, we always say. It's no, I know, always like, but I don't think that the Steelers are even going to be a bad team. They'll probably look better than they have the last two years. But the Browns have gotten that much better. And I feel like the Ravens are good okay. enough to edge them out. So uh, this is the, the AFC North is such a weird division this year because you have two first-time head coaches. You also have a quarterback who's in his second, uh, well, I guess season and a half. Lamar Jackson is season and a half. And then you have a quarterback who is in, in the twilight years uh, with Ben Roethlisberger who just lost his uh, – Probably best target with Antonio Brown in the offseason. He lost his running back (laughs) over the last season. So it's such a weird division this year. I do think it's going to be a hard one to pick, but I I think the Browns end up taking this one. Browns, Browns, Ravens, Steelers, If you're looking on paper, it's got to be Browns top and Bengals bottom. Flip-flop Pittsburgh and Baltimore however you want, but it's going to be Browns at the top and, and Bengals at the bottom. Right. But it all starts with week one. And this is where everything could change, and we could we could see an offense that comes out in this week one, and we're like, oh, damn, Zach Taylor really does got it. He nah. really could do this. <laughs> they could win week one, and I still don't think that the season will end up that well. Because <laughs> week one, you can end up chalking it up to the fact that they came out fired up for the new head but coach. But they and, came out and went West because Coast. it was a new day, D-E-Y. <laughs> D-E-Y. It's a new D-E-Y. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, I don't think they're going out to Seattle to win. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough one. Better teams go out there and lose all the time, all the time. It is not Seattle is not a place that any team goes into and wins, especially not a team that's in transition. So, uh, you know, the spread is nine and a half. I think they they might cover that. But that's also isn't it it weird that the Bengals are starting off this year with an NFC West team? Like, what a weird team to start off your schedule. That's not weird. The whole the whole conference is. No, I know they do that. But why? Why is that week one? No, that's not weird. I just think it's weird that they're like. Guess what? You're going out to Seattle. Like that's a long travel. That's what I'm saying. In, in like, week one, that's a strange. That's a, a a very strange week one matchup of like. Guess what? You're gonna go play an NFC West team at their place. Well, but again, and, and it's even the one that they do because I mean the rest of them are you know more something like Washington being up there. It's so secluded in Seattle. It's a different area. And so having to travel there for your very first, like any team in the league, it's like, Oh man, we got to go to Seattle week one. That's a heck of a way to start the season. So, you know, (laughs) the Bengals are the envy of absolutely no one in the NFL having to start the season there. Yeah. Especially with the Ravens getting to start off the season against the dolphins. (laughs) They there, uh, Pittsburgh's at, uh, at New England, and mm. the Browns get the Titans at home. All right, so again, the, the Bengals get this weird, crazy road trip to start off the season. I guess I, sh- I would rather have them have this West Coast trip to start the year rather than have this in the middle of the season. Yeah, you get, where used, you get used to the, your routine, and right. now it's just like, I just start out yeah. West. We can be out there the whole year. Or That's, the whole week, I mean. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can pregame a little bit differently, but... Man, it's just strange that to go NFC West. Uh, I wish we had the Dolphins to start off as, as a Bengals fan. No, the, no doubt mean, that the Ravens start off with a cupcake. Goodness, it's, it's the equivalent of having of hosting Boise State. Only maybe they'll <laughs> Willie Taggart it. Who knows? Well, let's hope Seattle Willie Taggart says maybe Seattle didn't hydrate enough and mm. they're gonna they're gonna blow this one. Similar there you go. to how Florida State blew. Cut off the water supplies to Washington this week. The Bengals do get the Dolphins second to the last game, you know. Hopefully. 
Oh, good. When we're mathematically eliminated and we're just like... You know what's funny about that game? If it's the second to last one, those two will be fighting to like want to lose it for draft positioning. Well, that's both, a, both the fan Dolphins bases. Are, everybody's on the Dolphins for tanking. Right. So. Both fan bases will be hoping that they lose that game for draft positioning. So if you're if you're thinking about it, you tanking for Tua, are you uh what are the other quarterbacks out there? I mean, Jalen uh Jalen Hurts is going to come out, right? Yeah. He'll be he'll be out this year. Uh hurting Fields. for Hurts. <laughs> hurting for Hurts. <laughs> Hurting for I Hertz. actually dig that one. Uh, I know you said on our show this week that Hertz is not the the guy that you would draft if no. you were the Bengals. So you'd be tanking for Tua. Tanking for Tua all the way. You think Tua is going to be the the guy? First of all, let's back this up. So you mentioned this too, uh, how you said actually, that. I'd be tanking two years. I'd be slanging for sunshine. <laughs> that's, the, that's the guy you got to get. Yeah. Like, can like, we lose two years As a, a matter of fact, the Bengals are in a great position because the Dolphins are tanking now. Which yeah, is so they're going to get move. Tua. You get like a top five pick this year, and then next year, boom, bottom out. Go Browns. Grab Trevor, and then you're all set. You mentioned, Scott, earlier that you know Zach Taylor needs to get his guys in and, and whatever. Uh, do you think Andy Dalton fits this Zach Taylor offense, or do you think we are at the end of Andy Dalton? Because uh, those are the – Kind of the same thing because I'm going to say I think he fits it for this season. I think if Andy Dalton was the younger version of himself, he would be all right in this offense. But I think when you're coming in to the Andy Dalton situation and after this year you can get out of it without owing him anything, you can just cut him and cut bait. I think unless he turns back the hands of time and just performs ungodly like we've never seen before – it, this is his last year in Cincinnati. Like no matter I forgot about what. Andy Dalton's contract being uh, yeah, so that's, we're screwed. If his contract went to next year, we'd be set. Yeah, no, because the, then it was let the Dolphins tank and yeah, we'll no, tank the, next the, year. The and absolute fact that they can get out from underneath mm. him this year and not owe him a single thing means that you know it something has to go amazingly right or Andy Dalton has to catch Zach Taylor and compromising photos in order for him to keep his job beyond this year <laughs> otherwise yeah i mean this is this is it for Andy Dalton so if you're an Andy Dalton fan get ready because these are the last 16 games presumably if he doesn't get hurt that he's going to play in a Bengals uniform <laughs> i love this idea that you have that Zach Taylor. It's not Zach Taylor. It's Mike Brown. Like Mike Brown, if Mike Brown likes Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton's going to stay. It doesn't matter. Mike Brown will tell Zach Taylor, guess what? You're I mean, that's playing true I don't too. care. That's true too, Mike, but... Mike Brown is going to go OWG and he's going to be like, I own this team. This is my quarterback. You're going to play him. And and Zach Taylor is going to have to deal with it, right? I mean, that's the type of owner that Mike Brown is for, for this team. All right, let's get, uh, before we switch gears and go into... The other fun Cincinnati sport. Uh, let's let's talk predictions for this season. What do you realistically see the Bengals doing this season? Four and twelve. <sighs> Ouch! That really hurts. That, I, I that mean, really I, hurts. I think I said it a little bit ago that if absolutely, you know, the thinking of Zach Taylor, if absolutely everything goes right, you're looking at a seven or eight win team, and that's everything going right. So yeah, I, I think four and twelve is much more realistic. It just this roster is very talent poor. The offensive line is going to struggle. The defense is getting older, and it's just—I mean—it's a transition year. You got this is a tr- this is a year long tryout for pretty much everybody on the roster because most of these guys are going to find new homes after this year. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule and. Finding four is going to be tough. <laughs> it's, it's really. Oh no! Be I hard. mean, but that's the thing. It's just it's the NFL. So I mean, you can just it happens, right? Yeah, right. I mean, four wins. That's that's not very. You I mean, like there's as them. I'm looking at this, the Dolphins is really the only game that I'm like, that's the win. That's the win, uh, guarantee. There's no real other games that I'm looking at that I'm like. Uh, I mean, the, okay. So if you say the Dolphins, I, I'm going to give them one division win. I don't know against who, but I don't. So I don't think, think they'll they get, get swept by. By the other teams in the division, that'd be Patriots, yeah. Bills, and Jets. Well, no, I mean no, that, he's saying in, no in in, in, in AFC the AFC North. North. Oh, okay. like uh, they so they won't lose by the Browns. They won't, I was gonna say they won't lose all the games against them, but I mean that you're talking about that six games. Yeah. They will win one of those six games. Then you've got the win against the Dolphins that you can pencil in, and That's then two. against the AFC East. 
Is yep. that who else they got? Yeah. So Jets, they can beat the Jets. Okay. Uh, you know. And then the NFC West. And then the NFC West, they can beat either the 49ers or who, wait, who am I? Uh, Cardinals. They, they can definitely beat the Cardinals. So there's your, you know, there's your four, you know, your three to four wins. We also got the Raiders on the schedule this year. So yeah, and bring then, on Chucky. Right. There's another one. So <laughs> as I'm saying, you can back into four wins with this team, but that's, that's the most I'm giving them. What do you got? I'm going to go five. I'm going to be optimistic and go five because <laughs> I'll, I will feel better about five than I will about four. Four, four seems so – Why does four change your I don't mind? know. Four sounds so brutal, uh, and that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with five wins this year. Uh, let's talk some Reds uh, and, and get into baseball season here as it's winding down. Uh, and the Reds have done us no favors this year. For a team that started off where – they they looked like, hey, maybe they could do something here. They made the Homer Bailey trade. They got Puig in. They brought Kemp in, which I know Joe hates that trade and has <laughs> given me so much crap for that trade. Uh, but I still I will still contend that that was a good trade, Joe. I don't even care where they're at. That was a good trade. Yeah, but you got Bauer. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, essentially, we traded Homer Bailey for Bauer. I'm fine with that. I'm I'm totally okay with that. Plus, we had Puig for a while, and that dude is entertaining as hell. That dude, for a half a season, may have cemented his place as one of the greatest Reds of all time. Power? No, Puig. Oh, Are you paying Puig? attention? Are you listening to the show? I am, but I I thought you moved past Puig. Like he's been gone long enough that I didn't no, you think we were still just talking said, about him. In a, in a half a season, that dude has become one of the greatest Reds of all times. He fought Pittsburgh twice, bro. <laughs> Man, dude, Puig <laughs> was very symptomatic of everything Cincinnati. It, uh, there was no reason to fall in love with them. He was only here for half a season. Now he's gone, and somehow, you know, he'll be the next to get a statue after Marvin. But no, Lewis. but okay. Here's what I'm saying though: that shows some growth on the Reds' part because that is a dude that normally they the Reds organization would be like, "This is a guy. We, he is our guy. We are going to give him a." baller contract and Puig is going to be a red for life and then they would shell out a ridiculous amount of money for a guy who doesn't necessarily deserve it instead they make the smart move trade him away and get an arm that they have control of next year and and solidify what really is a solid rotation going into next season I mean the Reds rotation is legit next year they have a legit starting four next year yeah I mean and on paper, their their starting rotation provided be, everybody stays healthy, right? Should. should be pretty good. But again, it's much like coming into this year, where on paper you're like, oh, the Reds could compete. But once the games actually no, no, start no. being played, I, I think the Reds were always a team that it was like this team could go one of two ways, and they went that second way. It wasn't that like, hey, on paper this team can compete. It was this team is a real weird question mark. And I no. have no idea how this is going to turn out for them. Let's roll the dice and I'll see I'll never what forget during the offseason how many times I heard the, we don't know what the Reds are going to do, but they're interesting. Right. They're making moves when and nobody else is. <laughs> don't know how any of them are going to pan out, but hey, they're making moves. <laughs> but was it worth it? Because currently right now they got 23 games left. They have to go 9-14 and 14 to not lose 90 games this year. Jeez. So is it worth it being middle of the road currently in the sports landscape? Is it worth giving your team a little hope but being super mediocre and not setting yourself up? Yes, and here's why I say that. Because if they don't make that Homer-Bailey trade, if they keep Bailey, they don't get Puig and Kemp in, they, they kind of keep the same roster – there's still a lot of young guys that played on this team. Van Meter played. Philip Irvin had a lot of playing time throughout the year. You had a lot of guys that uh, it shows some real promise for the future mm-hmm. for Cincinnati. Uh, but if they don't make that trade, they're still in the same spot. Like the Reds weren't going to be a world beater if they don't make that trade, right? Yeah. I mean, so you make the trade, you make it interesting, you make it fun, you get people to come out to the ballpark sometimes and, and watch I mean, Puig the, the, the in overall, a sleeveless shirt and it's a fun it's at least a fun team to watch as they're doing terrible yeah the overall thing with the Reds was always wow they're probably three years away from contention the trades that they made didn't necessarily close that gap any more it just was oh well they went from three years in contention to well what let's see about this what, what's going on here it, 
those are interesting names. Let's see how it all comes together. So it was, but it was always going to be a long-term project because nobody thought those names were going to be World Series winners. But maybe they could win enough games to at least stay interesting in August. Well, and, and, and they did. They did end up doing that in a roundabout way. They started off terribly, then they got hot, and then you know it was July. And I mean, you know, people were talking about them. Hey, maybe making moves. It today. really wasn't until the All Star like, break when they came out of the All Star break and just completely right. crapped the bed coming out of the All Star break that it was like, all right, this team things done. things finally did come together. It just took a lot longer, and so I mean, they ended up being who we thought they would be, but ultimately, that is just a middle of the road team. They're not actually going to win anything. The so worst, what does it all matter? The worst stat. This year for this team is that in one run games they are nineteen and thirty. Yeah, that's not that is awful. And it, it, you know it's that's where Cincinnati fans are like, hey man, if we could have just turned a couple of those around, we're we're in contention. We're right there in it because uh, they really aren't that far out of the wild card. I mean, you're you're what eleven games back from the the second wild card, and if you figure you win half of those games, you're now you're five or six games back from the wild card, you're actually in a decent striking distance at this mm-hmm. point. But that's where the difference is between a good team and a below average team. The below average team can't get those one run games across. Whereas the good team is able to either close it out or get that last hit that you really need to push the run across the plate. And the Reds have never seemed this year to be able to get that, that hit in a clutch situation or have a bullpen hold down a lead for him uh, in order to close out a one-run game. Iglesias it may be the most overrated player on this team. And, and I mean, I, I'll preface it by saying I hate the closer role in general. I feel like closers are an overrated position. They shouldn't necessarily be as high-paid as they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know why David Bell doesn't go with a closer by committee uh, with this team, especially with how Iglesias has performed and blown saves do that the the most recent series against uh against St. Louis when they blew they had two doubleheaders back-to-back doubleheaders and they lost two of the four games on walk-offs. Uh, yeah, the I mean the problem with bullpens and relievers is they're so volatile year to year and you know everybody saw what Iglesias did last year and he was a super valuable piece albeit on a, a team that was going nowhere. But so you you know you go into this year and you just expect it. But the problem is with relievers, there are very few, very few in just the history of the game that you can pencil in every year and say, "Yep, you know exactly what you're going to get from him." I mean, it's a year to year thing, and he's just had a terrible year. Now they probably should have traded him off before. Absolutely, <laughs> before because now his, now his trade value is garbage. Yeah, like mean, you can't get anything. Now for you him have now. to completely restore, and you hope that. During the first half of next year, assuming that again the Reds are just kind of middling and aren't you know in contention, that he reestablishes that trade value and that next year you can offload him on somebody and people will just remember. All right, yeah, this year he's been great and he has a recent history of being great. So you know they'll chalk up last year as whatever. But man, I mean across the board in baseball, you're just seeing all sorts of relievers and bullpens on a whole just being terrible. So. I hate to say it, unless you're a team that's coming in with absolute World Series expectations and you have everything else figured out, I mean, you're better off just trading these bullpen guys. Like, there's no need, year. especially a, a closer, there's no need to have a dude that is like a, a, like specifically there to come in in the ninth. You, these guys are good enough to pitch in, in high pressure. What's the difference between coming in in the ninth inning and then coming in in the seventh inning when you you're up one and you got bases loaded? You just got brought in to get this one guy out. Oh, absolutely no not. You like know what the, I mean? The like, roles, yeah, the roles are definitely changing. But I mean, it, you know, it goes back to the Braves a few years ago when they started trading everybody off, and one of the last men standing was, you know, Kimbrel. and it was it didn't make sense right. to, hey, this team is projected to win about sixty games what's the point of having a closer that can close out 40 of those meaningless 60 games? And they traded them. The Reds have just been in this like kind of spin their wheels thing of, <sighs> I think they and the fan base fall in love with certain players and they don't, 
pull the trigger when they need to on yeah. them, and they hold on to them just long enough that they lose enough trade value, and then they they don't want to trade them <laughs> right. because then they've lost the trade value, and then you know, so here they are hanging on to them, and it's it's kind of one of those things where you're like, man, I don't really want to marry this girl, but we live together, and well, we've. <laughs> You know, we've got, you know, a, a mailbox together and that's just so convenient. I mean, I'm just going to see this thing out. What are we going to do with the TV if we break right. it? Right. And then you just end up getting divorced anyway. And you're like, ah, I should have just called it quits when it was easier to do this. Like, that's that's how I feel like the Reds always do with just about everybody they have. They just fall in love with the guy. And then when it is time to get rid of him, they don't. And then that person ends up turning back to a pumpkin or whatever it may be and then they lose all value from Votto. <laughs> Votto's slightly different in that he was homegrown and he had so many years coming up. But yes, he's another example of somebody that they probably could have gotten more value out of had they gotten rid of him sooner. But right now, someone looking like a beautiful carriage instead of that pumpkin, Mr. Acuno. Oh man, Aquino, Aquino is, is just Okay, so and that's what I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, the talk all year long has been Pete Alonzo with the Mets, uh, you know, breaking records with New York and he's setting rookie records for home runs. And the dude is just bawling out New York. He won the home run derby. Like this dude was just on fire all year long. And then a later call up is Aquino. And I mean, the dude is crazy. He said he's the fastest to 15 home runs. So my question is, if they didn't make that trade, if Kemp and Puig weren't there and Aquino was like up from the start, is anybody even talking about Pete Alonso at this point? I, I don't know. I just it, it's one of those weird things because I kept waiting for Aquino to come back to Earth because sometimes guys get a you know get called up and they ball out and then as soon as people get a book on them you know as soon as there's there's film on them then they come back down to earth and whatever especially for a guy like him who it wasn't a highly touted prospect it isn't like oh man the reds are waiting to bring this guy up and he's just being blocked by such and such and you know he's not at the top of any prospect list i all of this is completely unexpected and for the Reds' sake, I hope that he keeps it up, especially into next year, so that you can just have something figured out and solidified because their outfield has been all over the place the last, like, five years. I mean, you know, it's been Billy Hamilton. It's been Duvall. It's been, I mean, it's been all these guys that they've just moved around and platooned and nobody's had an everyday spot. And it's just been really weird. It would be nice for the Reds and their fans to be able to say, all right, going into next year, our right field is Aquino, and we don't have to think about it. Which I think that's going to be the case, right? You hope. I mean, who else are you, who else are you going to put in there? Well, no, but what I'm saying is you hope that he's not just this flash in the pan and that it's just it's not next year, all right, well, we've penciled him in, and then next thing you know, he just goes back to being a guy. Yeah, I don't know if you you'll see that. I mean, I think you'll see a, a step back slightly, but I don't think you'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, where... I don't think you're going to see 15 home runs a month for the rest of his career, That'd right? Be I mean, the dude, ridiculous. The dude's balling but out. I, I just hope that he's competent enough and good enough to be just an everyday starter. Like that's all you're looking for is somebody who can lock down the position, who's productive enough that they can say, "All right, he's like he doesn't even necessarily have to be an all star, just above replacement." Right. <laughs> Like just above replacement. Give, give me that war, baby. Yeah, give like, me that war. Come on. Uh, all right, let's talk some some UC football here before we close out, uh, because college football is back, and we want to talk a little UC football. Uh, they start off the season against UCLA, come out and beat UCLA, which I think we all expected them to do. Uh, Chip Kelly out there is just in shambles with that program. Um, and plus UC wants to stomp UCLA a little bit, get a little Mick Cronin rubbing in there uh, and, and give him a little middle finger uh, as well. But UC goes out, does what they need to do. that angle when right? they play now that exactly. I think about it. That never even crossed my Although mind. Although I, I think everybody was fine with Mick leaving. They were just like, yeah, that's great for him, and, and maybe now we can get out of the and first round of the tournament. That's why I don't think it, it crossed my mind is because yeah. it wasn't like a sad divorce, so... Uh, but they, they take care of business against UCLA, and a lot of UC fans I saw were talking all of that smack saying they want Ohio State, and now you <clears> get them. <throat> and Ohio State uh, is the favorite this weekend, coming up a 16.5-point favorite against UC. 
you see going on the road to the uh, to the horseshoe. How do you think this one's gonna end up? Um, I think it'll be close early. I think UC will make not get embarrassed, but I mean I don't expect Ohio State to lose this game by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I feel like uh, <laughs> I mean uh, I feel like if you're putting money on it and you're betting it straight up, you bet Ohio State, right? Right. And, and uh, I mean UC fans can hang their hat on maybe we can cover this spread. Uh, but when it comes down to it, when it comes down to uh, wins and losses, you're not getting points for winning against the spread. Right. Uh, and and I don't think UC has a chance against Ohio State. From what I saw from Ohio State last week, jumping out 28 points, and I realized that they they then let their foot off the gas against FAU and you know let them back into that, that game. Um, but UCLA is not a team that you can say, hey, these guys, these guys are, are a program that, makes me believe we can compete against Ohio State or the likes of Ohio State. Ohio State's a potential college football playoff team. They are, and the, I guess, odd thing about that is, and this is just me, I'm not I'm not a college football fan, and I don't, you know, follow the sport nearly as much as you, but um, usually I know a lot more about Ohio State just from proximity and just the names. I can't tell you a, who's their best player this year like i've known the that's because the... he transferred to <laughs> miami yeah tate martell right, right? I, I mean i uh, you know tate like the, seriously though like i the don't star usually... of qb1 from netflix the season one of qb1 <laughs> usually, usually i can rattle off a handful of names for ohio state and they've just gotten to that point this year where i'm like they're the number five team in the nation and i can't name. I mean, a Justin Fields player. is the guy, right? He Who transferred in. He transferred in from Georgia last year. He is their starting quarterback. Uh, and, cool, and he's he's balling out. He he did pretty good against FAU. That's fine. It's just it, you're just upset last... because there's no Bosa's on the team this year. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, they usually it's like okay, they had Barrett, they had the Bosa's, they had Elliott. You know, they had. Uh, Prior, like they've had, they are a very young team this year. Yeah, they've had all these guys that were at least coming into the year. They've had a Heisman hopeful. Is there a Heisman hopeful on this team? Which is why, since they are so young, you see, might get that, might get that edge. Might be a little mentally more tough. Okay, so I think I think Fickle comes in wanting to prove himself against his old school. Well, Fickle absolutely wants to blow the doors off this game. But but easier said than done. You're you're competing. It's as much as UC has improved recently and and as much as the AAC is, has become a conference with UCF you know being in that conversation it's still night and day between these power 5 teams and these non-power 5 teams like you're talking about athletes who are like guaranteed these these dudes and maybe they're young but they're still NFL talent guys and on the UC roster you don't necessarily have that you have good football players you don't have NFL caliber guys right yeah. Like, that's the difference between these two. Also, Ohio State, I was just looking at their roster as you were saying that. They have a guy named Tuff Borland. T-U-F. <laughs> Is that better than the Dakotist? Oh, uh, Dakotist? His middle <laughs> name is To Ever Do It. That is the greatest football name ever. Yeah. Dakotist To Ever Do It. I don't know his last name. I don't remember. Who cares? It's the okay. greatest first name in middle we, name we've ever. Both had kids. Joe doesn't know this one. But so when the the people come to your room after you've had the baby to to like get the information for the birth certificate, <laughs> how do you look those people in the face and say with a straight face? <laughs> you know how you do it. My son is named the coldest to ever do it. <laughs> you wait until mom is asleep, and then you're like, "Give me that form. I got this." And you write out really the coldest because I f- ever do it. Oh, Crawford, thank you, Joe. The coldest to ever do it, Crawford. I feel like this was mom because I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> tough, tough Borland. T U F is, and the dude plays linebacker. That uh, is a you know what's solid funny? before football you name. before you even said it. If you were if you said which guess which position tough Borland plays, plays, I yeah. would have said linebacker. Yeah, that's, absolutely, he's either a linebacker or a guard. That's, that's the, what that's tough the Borland lineman is. or that is the <laughs> linebacker's name, no doubt. All right, around the horn, real quick. Does you see uh, or does Ohio State cover the the spread? Yes or no, Scott? Yes, but it won't be by a lot. Okay. Joe, does Ohio State cover the spread against UC? No. Ooh, we got a split. I mean, decision. it's not. It's nine and a half. 
So no, it's sixteen and a half. Sixteen and a half. Sixteen and a half. What am I going with? Oh, the Bengals. I'm yeah. getting the, the, <laughs> the spreads mixed up. Sixteen and a half. Yeah, I'm going to give them to them. Uh, yeah, I, but barely. Again, I don't think that they're going to like run past. I think that. they win by seventeen. Yeah, that. I mean that that could be. I went uh, on our on our show on our regular show. I did do a uh, degenerate dartboard of doom pick uh, where we pick games every week, and I drew the Ohio State UC game. Twice. Not once, but <laughs> twice. Uh, I, I threw it back because that. I didn't want to touch that one, and then I drew it again. The gods really wanted me to pick this one. I, I picked Ohio State to cover in that one. I feel like that FAU shock is what makes Ohio State cover this week because I, I just feel like Ryan Day is going to be like, man, we took our foot off the gas after scoring 28 points in six minutes, and we coasted the rest of that game. We cannot do that again, and he's going to come out and try to make a statement. Yeah. Um, man, this has been a really solid first episode of Cincy Style, man. I enjoyed it. I, I really dig this Cincinnati talk. Uh, Joe, dynamite drop-ins, as always. Uh, I'm very proud of you for not giving us a single Cleveland Browns dog bark throughout the entire episode. So thank you for that, Joe. Uh, if you guys want to follow the show, follow us on Twitter at Craft Sports. You can follow me at Mike Burlon. Follow Scott at Scott K underscore junior. We're going to be here every week. Every, Every Friday. Week. Uh, follow Joe at Joe Goalie 4. You jumped on on Joe's Twitter Sorry. handle there. Uh, but yes, every week we will be releasing a new Cincy Style episode. We're going to get into Xavier Talk. We're going to talk some UC basketball, FC Cincinnati, I guess. Uh, Cyclones. <laughs> also, if you guys have any takes you want to drop in, feel free to call up and leave a message on the drunk line. 440-37-DRUNK. Call up anytime you want. Leave a voicemail. We'll talk. We'll play it on the show. We'll give your take, uh, and, and we'll uh, we'll dissect your pick thank you guys so much for tuning in uh be sure to tell your friends about the show and cheers everybody peace Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.